0: Good evening. Hope you had a good afternoon. (laughs) All the things that I had planned to do this afternoon kind of got. Move to the side, but that's all right. No problem at all because uh, I don't know, I've never experienced kidney stones, but I know dad had an issue when Jess and I were in college and he said it was the worst thing he'd ever experienced. And I'd say if Tom was feeling anything like dad described himself, he wasn't feeling very good at all. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll go well with Tom. uh, I'm not at all surprised that his goal would be to come right back tomorrow night. I I feel like uh, uh, it would be hard to keep him from doing it. And hopefully he'll be able to do it, because he'll be, uh, he's who you came to hear, but uh, you're going to get me instead. And so tonight, I thought uh, on the fly that it might be good to talk about challenges. Because in some ways, there's challenges that have beset us all, perhaps. I am challenged to come up with something fairly quick with a little bit of help that I can present to you. And Kevin was challenged to lead songs that I don't know if he's ever led before, but he fell into them pretty good. And you're challenged to have to hear me when you were hoping to hear Tom. So, you know, everybody's going to face their challenges tonight and hopefully we'll be able to overcome them all. I'm really glad that Louie didn't leave. He said that he came to hear Tom. So I was worried that uh, once the third song was sung, that Louie's night might be over. But I'm glad that Ron was able to sit on him enough to keep him back there. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Tonight, though, we're talking about challenges that the church must accept. And when we talk about the church, sometimes we want to all, well, and I say sometimes, often we want to think about the building, don't we? We always think, I'm going to go to church tonight. But, we all know this, and usually we don't do a lot of call and response in the sermon. We'll do it tonight. What is the church? The people, okay? The people. And so you remember that when you're little, the, here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the door and you see all the people. Well, there is no church without the people because the people are the church. But if we think about challenges that the church must accept, these are not challenges that the building. Must accept these are the challenge, these are challenges that the occupants of the building must accept i e it's you so challenges that you and I must accept and we 're going to look at four to five of these here tonight let 's just think for just a moment about the gear shift in your car and if you have a gear shift in your car they don 't put them on the, the steering wheel columns too much anymore they 're mostly down. Right there, uh, kind of beside you, but there's a set of letters, and the first letter is aP, and then you've got an "N," and then you've got an R, and then you've got an N, and then you've got a D. And so it's park, reverse, neutral and drive, and then it gets down into some other numbers that some of you may have on yours as well. But if you think about this with a car, if you're parked, you're sitting still. If you're in reverse, you're going back. If you're in neutral, you're sort of at the whim or at the say of whatever happens. If you put your car in neutral at the top of the hill, you may go forward. But if you put it in neutral on the other side, it may roll backwards. And then if you put it in drive, it'll go forward. Well, what I want us to think about to start with is as a church, we're either going forward, sitting still, or we're falling behind. We're in reverse. And that's not just true for our church, but that's true for any church, if we want to think about it as an entity. That's true for any group. The problem is that a lot of times congregations become accepting of this. We don't want to put it in reverse, but we're all right with letting it set in neutral for a little while. Because if you think about when you put your car in drive, you got to give it some gas. And you've got to, when you approach that hill, you've got to give it a little more gas. Well, it's not too hard for us giving it gas, but it's hard on the bed. When you start going up a hill, Kevin, I know you can relate in your truck, when you start going up a hill, you can hear the engine working a little hard. That drive requires a little bit of hard work. In fact, you could almost argue that putting your vehicle in charge in, in, Drive every day is a challenge for the people. So when we think about that tonight, I want us to think about what we are as a church. What we're thinking about as a church. The problem is, is when we find ourselves standing still, everyone will pass us by. And that becomes a little bit of a problem. Jimmy, thank you for reading what you read there a moment ago, Philippians 3. Verses 12 through 14, I believe from what we read right here, Paul was the kind of person who was ready to move ahead. There was no setting in neutral, and there was very little going back. Paul believed in moving ahead, and so we can't rely on something that we've done in the past. You know, sometimes people say, well, that church used to do blah, 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 or that church used to do blah, blah. Well, used to do is all well and good, but there's a lot of things we used to do that we can't do anymore, right? That's why age comes with us. But if the church wants to operate the same way as a human does, I don't think I can do anymore. What if the church says that? church has to continue to meet those challenges. Moving forward is the only way to avoid decline and failure. And so we have to think as a church, well, what does it take To move ahead. What does it require? Because it's not as easy as just putting it in drive and seeing what happens. We've got to figure out what does it take to move ahead. Well, to achieve everything that we would want to do, we have to to move forward and meet those challenges. So let's talk about four and maybe, like I said, a fifth challenge tonight. First of all, first challenge is making a difference in the world. Now, the reality of this, it may sound a little bit like a motivational speaker kind of thing. I don't want it to be, but that's sort of what the tiles are. But if you go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, you'll read, and this is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I doubt I read anything right there that you heard for the first time just now. In fact, you may remember the little songs, another one from you little about hiding that light under a bushel. When we were little, we'd sing that song in Bible school. That was one of the fun times. You got to be loud at church. Hide it under a bushel. No! You'd scream it out real loud. All right? That, you didn't get to do that too often. We so you got to yell that out. I'm going to let it shine. Well, that's words straight from Jesus. Well, the people that we come in contact need to see a difference in us. We have to show God in the things that we do. Now, we have to accept this challenge to make a difference. Well, this is a challenge because sometimes it's a lot easier just to do whatever one else is doing. Well, it has to come in how we live, rooted in, and founded on the Word of God. And we'll get to that a little bit more in just a second. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, again, lots of verses you've probably heard once or twice or ten times before tonight. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Tells us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Ever heard that one before? Not breaking a whole lot of new ground here tonight. But we can change the world, if we want to think about it that way, in the same way that God's people have always changed the world. By teaching and preaching and living the gospel of Christ. That's how the world changes. Nothing changes if everything stays the same. But if I don't want to be like Christ, then I'm not going to convince anyone else to be like Christ. You know, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, they're in the city of Thessalonica. And Paul is there. And they go into this guy's, Jason's house. But you remember what it said? Do you remember what it said in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6? It said, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And it was like the people that were there, they've heard the stories. They've heard those that have been preaching and teaching and converting and whatever it might be, they have come here too. It's here to us. And you can almost see those people at Thessalonica thinking, we got one of two options. We can either be like them, or we're going to have to run them out. Because every time Paul came, people did one of two things, right? They either were like Paul, or they had to just run him out completely. And If we notice, Paul, when he got run out, he'd come back in. They turned the whole world upside down. This is a challenge to make a difference in the world. Number two, we have to accept the challenge of evangelizing preaching and teaching in our own community you know sometimes we people we we, we think the people around us aren't real interested in hearing the word of God why do we think that because the one person we talked to wasn't real interested in coming to church you know I talked to that one guy at the store six months ago said something to him about coming and he didn't come so I'm going to let that guy represent all 25,000 people in Lincoln County. Do we ever fall into that trap? I asked one. It's a famous story when Willie Mays made his catch over his shoulder that the guy that had threw the pitch and the guy hits it 450 feet and Willie Mays catches it. And they come out and they put a new picture in and Willie Mays said or the picture that they replaced, he said, I got my man. You know, he's like, all I do is one thing. Well, sometimes we approach Christianity, we approach evangelizing in the same way. Well, ask one person if they said yes, I got my man. If they said no, nobody ever wants to come to church. We fall into those kinds of traps of thinking sometimes. When we think about our community not being open to the gospel as it were, was this way, where do we get this information from? Is it because we had some kind of well-planned Well financed effort to go out and preach and teach in the community? Probably not. Is it because there's people that are showing angst and animosity to the church? They're fighting, you know, we're walking out the front door saying, Come to church, and they're beating us back? No, that's not happening. Is it because people in the community hate God or refuse to follow God? I mean, there's a million buildings that have the word church on it throughout the community. I feel like there's some love of them God. Them. A lot of times it's just because we maybe failed once or we just didn't put a great effort for You know, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, you've heard this before. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. You know, Many businesses have slogans that say something like, think globally, then act locally. You ever heard something similar to that before? Well, they want to be everywhere. Every business wants to be as successful as possible. I want to sell as much Coke or Pepsi. I want to sell as many potato chips. I want to sell as much whatever you can think of to as many people as possible. And if that means I've got to settle in Japan and India and China and Africa and Europe, then that's what I want to do. But at the same time, I've got to take care of people at every location. Think about that as the, church, as the Lord's church. It's not a problem. It's good, in fact, for us to be involved in mission work. But the most important work we still have to be involved in is locally right here. We can't just say, well, we got Brian Hall going to South America, that's good enough. I don't have to do anything. You know, we pay for that radio to broadcast out of Madagascar, and they reach people in Korea, so that's that's good enough. We, we We got everything under wraps. Well, those are all well and good, but what about the people that are right here? What about the people that we come in contact with every day? Sometimes our numbers drop because we're more concerned about those people out about in the world than we are in our own community. Gospel certainly best spread to the whole world, but it works locally, one person, one street, one community at a time. Proverbs eleven thirty says, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise." But at no point does that say he who wins souls that are in other time zones besides the one that you're in is wise. The same people that we're trying to reach all the way around the globe, we still want to reach those same people that are all the way around the corner where we live. We have to keep that in mind. That's a challenge for us. Number three, developing leaders. Have you thought recently about who might be the preacher, elders, Deacons, song learners, Bible class teachers, communion fixtures, 10 years from now, 20, 30. Some of you might say, well, there's no chance I'm going to be here 30 years from now. But there's been 100 years worth of people in this building that said I'm not going to be here 30 years from now. i How long since passed. But I think we all would want to face the challenge of how do we extend this further? How do we keep it going? But these things are certainly challenges. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, we're here, and the things that you have heard from me, this is Paul talking, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know what's happening in this story right there? Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying, the things that I have taught you, I want you to turn around and teach that to other people as well. Because it wasn't going to be long before Paul was gone, either out of town or out of this world, out of life. But there had to be Timothy, and there had to be other Timothys after Timothy that would be able to keep the church going. All of us can probably remember people who played a vital role in the church, either here or maybe at another place where you've attended or where you went. We all remember. How many of those people can you remember that are past? People that have died. We all can, right? But we can all say that there's no way the church at Stanford or the church at Lancaster or the church at Providence or Crab Orchard or Somerset or wherever, Danville, wherever it might be, Dix River, wherever. We can all say that the church wouldn't be what it is today without those people. Well, how are they going to speak about us and our church 10, 20, 30 years later? Do you think about that? Should you? I mean, I see two elders shaking their hands, but nobody else is shaking their hand. I know that's the job of the elders, but it's the job of everybody to think about that. And here's why. You're going to say, okay, that's a challenge. Well, it certainly is. Paul had invested himself in teaching Timothy. and Timothy's job was to teach other people as well. But Christians have to develop future leaders. And there has to be planning in this. There has to be active work toward trying to get people to grow to the point where they can go from here to here to here. Because if you don't do that, if you do not do that 10, 20, 30 years ago, the building's empty. The doors are locked, and nobody's here. That's a challenge. That takes work. That takes people stepping out of their comfort zone. That takes people saying, "I can't do this," and you, and other people saying, "Oh yes, you can." And that is people standing in front and presenting. That is people preaching teaching, reading, singing, teaching classes from the smallest kid to the oldest adult and everywhere in between. Because if you don't, who will? Somebody's teaching. If it isn't us, if it isn't us, it's somebody. And what's going to bring them back here if somebody else is teaching them something different or better somewhere else? That's a challenge that we absolutely have to face. That's not by accident. That's responsibility that comes with that. That's a requirement. And the best leaders have people that follow them. But to be a good leader, we have to figure out how to follow. We have to look at people who are older than us or more experienced than us. And we have to say, I want to be like that. But not I want to be like that because I want to be fast and I want to be able to jump and I want to be able to hit three pointers, but I have to work toward it. And if I see people that are going before me that are working at being better, I have to model myself at trying to be better as well. We can't sit in that seat and say somebody else will do it because eventually you run out of somebody else's. That's a challenge that we have to face. We have to accept that challenge. Now, For. You may think this is an odd challenge to accept. You ever heard somebody say, people just don't want to hear the Bible? I don't know, maybe true. But it sounds like a statement that we talked about earlier. Nah, nobody wants to come. I asked one person, they didn't show up. Some churches have taken that sense. People just don't want to hear the Bible. And deciding that abandoning scriptures is the best way. You know, we're going to base it around the scripture. You ever seen a movie come on, and when it first comes on, it says, based on a true story? Well, there's various levels of based on a true story. Sometimes that movie is almost exactly what happened. Sometimes that movie has one person whose last name is the same, and you say, "What's well, based on a true story. Some churches have adopted the idea that Scripture can play a secondary role to other things. We can have a little bit of the Scripture sprinkled in, but not enough. Not too much, because people, quote, don't want to hear just the Bible. But as we move forward, the Bible's got to be the foundation of everything that we do. We say, I think we're saying it, we're saying it later this week. I don't know, the church is one foundation, right? Well, foundation's important. And the Bible has to be just that. Well, where do we hear that? I got three things, three verses right up there that all three will say the same thing. Bear with me. Deuteronomy chapter 12 in verse 32. This is from the first part of the Bible. This is called the law, okay? Let's hear what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from. Ah, that is the old law though, remember? And we just, John, Tom just talked this morning. Jesus came to fulfill the old law. So we don't need that anymore. Okay, it's fine. Let's skip ahead. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6. Proverbs is one of those books in the middle. The wisdom books. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you And you be found alive. Interesting. It's almost the same thing that we read in Deuteronomy. And that's from the wisdom books. But okay, I'm prepared to admit that yes, when Jesus died on the cross, the old law was hung there with him. So I don't want to worry about what it says in the Old Testament. Well, just flip all the way over to the last page in your Bible. It's good enough for the law enough for the wisdom. Let's talk about Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. I've described this as the future. What's going to happen going forward? Bear with me. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. The challenge is to follow God's word. But it's not a new challenge. It's a challenge in Deuteronomy. It's a challenge in Proverbs. It's a challenge today. It's been a challenge from the beginning was to follow God's word. Word. No other option. Nothing in the Bible from the first page to the last page and any of those 1165 some odd pages in between says that you can just forget about God's Word and do it the way you want to. I don't see it. That's a challenge though. We gotta be rooted in the Bible and we gotta know what God's will is Amen. challenge number five I don't know if this is a challenge but I put a number five and then I realized I might shouldn't have done it you and I make up the church and the church moves only as its people move each of these challenges that we've looked at so far are challenges for each of us And I came across something I want to end with because I think this is a good and fitting thing for us to leave with here tonight. You may not be able to see it real well. Hopefully you can. But if you'll notice the Lord's church is composed of people just like me. But that me is me but it's also you. Alright? If we want to make this more personal, the Lord's church is composed of people just like you. You put your name in there. Look at these six things here. It will be friendly if I it will be or it will do great work if I do. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I And generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service. If I am loyal. Loving and faith. Put your name into those spots. The church will be friendly if I'm friendly. You've been places before where people weren't friendly. We started talking at the beginning about one person saying no and we let it speak for the whole crowd. Unfortunately, if you go to church, if you go to the church and there's one person that's not friendly, when you come in contact with them, it's going to give a negative impression of the entire group of people. Guys, there's 40 people this morning, 30 some people probably this afternoon. There's room for a whole lot more. We can't afford to be unfriendly and run people off. If we can do great work, the church can, goodbye can. I don't mean great as anything fancy or fantastic. Remember we talked about how the major and the minor prophets on Wednesday night, the major prophets were the ones that wrote a lot and the minor ones wrote a little. Well, great work doesn't mean that it's going to be broadcast across the news, but great work is those challenges that we've talked about so far. That is great work. That's showing that we're doing what we can To strengthen the church. We, you, me, whatever term you want to use right there. All of these things that it says right here, none of us as a group, and that's what the church is, none of us as a group can be as good as we can be without you being as good as you can be. You have to look at the challenge. You have to look at these things and say, how can I be better? What am I doing that makes, A, me a better Christian? B, makes the church a better church. Because if your answer is anything less than the absolute best, there's room to grow. Tom said this morning, he said, there's no way when he looks at the fruits of the Spirit. He said, nine things, love, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said there's no way he'll ever be at 100% of all of them. You can love. You're, You're out of love. You're out of gentleness. You're out of friendliness, hard work, generosity, fellowship, attendance, loyalty, love, faith, and search. You can't be. That's the challenge that we face. So when we leave here tonight, I hope that you take this challenge and say, how can I be better? How can I do better? How can the church that I attend grow? What grows with you? That's on you. But the good thing is, is that I, me, and we all linked together because you and I can strengthen each other. We don't have to face the challenges alone, we face them together. But what I want you to do before we leave is I want you to think about these challenges tonight. Don't you to pick one? Pick one before you leave or as you leave, tonight before you go to bed or whatever, and say, I'm going to do that more. It might be saying, I would like to teach a class, I've never done it. It might be I would like to lead singing. I've never done it before. It might be I would like to uh, speak with people who are taking correspondence classes. I, I've never done that before. But pick one. Pick any of it doesn't matter. Any of them. it's a challenge because otherwise we're sitting in the seat and it all just goes away. Paul would not have accepted new traffic. God doesn't accept new traffic. We read in Revelation, the thing that he hates of all those seven churches is the lukewarm, one, right? He said, I'd rather you be hot or be cold. That's odd to hear. He said, I'd rather you just be turned completely off rather than to say, eh, man, church can't grow. If it's eh, amen. Challenge is yours. I hope this has been a good revival type lesson because that's what we often need. But hopefully it's been something that's been beneficial for you as well. And I'm not speaking just to you, I'm speaking to me as well. So we'd encourage you if there's any way that we can help you, anything we can do for you, we'd invite you to come while we stand and say. Rescue the perishing care for the dying.